Welcome to the Freelance Afternoon Show. We are two freelancers who started our own successful businesses and want to help other aspiring freelancers learn from our mistakes while building a successful business of their own. Hi, I'm Devin, and I'm here with my co-host, Wes Vance, and today we're going to talk about how to network your way to your first client. And this is part one of two on how to network your way to your first client. And it's a well-known cliche that success is defined by who you know more so than what you know. And there's definitely a boulder of truth in that statement, especially when it comes to freelancing. And so if you're a freelancer or wanting to freelance and you're not really sure how to get started, the biggest boost in your confidence, the biggest thing that's going to give you a push is getting your first client and really proving to yourself that you can do this. And how you find clients and projects for most freelancers, and I've talked to several freelancers that have been doing this for years, the projects that they find are directly related to the size of their network and the amount of trust that they build in the network of people that know them and being able to build trust with their clients. And what you'll find is that freelancing is definitely a people business. And if people are willing to grab coffee with you, they're willing to grab lunch with you, they're willing to talk to you, then eventually you get to the point where they're willing to pay you as well. And that's really where you want to be. So I want to talk a little bit about knowing who your clients are. And I'm going to go ahead and let Wes talk about knowing who your clients are. Yeah, thanks, Devin. So one of the most common issues young freelancers have is not having a good grasp on who their client is, putting a name to a face, putting a the general concept of who their client is to an actual person. And it, this is just as important as if you're not some great advice I was given uh, was to find a picture of your client and hang it on in your office. Marie Forleo has suggested just like, ask yourself, like all the characteristics about your client, answering those and then drawing a picture. And doing the same thing, putting it on your wall. Questions include like what they look like, what they do during the day, what they eat for dinner, what their pains are, everything about your client, right? And the more you know about your client, the more you can help and position your business to helping them with their pain points. So knowing who your client is, is always like the first question that you really should be asking yourself as you go out on network, as you go out and find your, you know, network your way to your first client. You first have to really define who that client is. And kind of going along with that is once you figure out like, who your client is, you really do have to work on building trust and rapport with these people and understand what that actually means to them. Right, Devin? Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that may not be immediately obvious to a lot of people that are thinking about freelancing is that you, yes, you are doing some service for money, but at the core, you're providing value to someone. When I create an application for someone, I'm not just making an app for someone for them to give me money. These are people who have a finite amount of funding from some source and they have deliverables too. They have some kind of goal that they're trying to meet. If I have a client who is meeting for sponsorship and they need a minimum viable product built by a certain date, otherwise they lose money. They're paying me not for a application or time. They're paying me for the value that I'm creating for their business. So it's very helpful to know who you're creating value for and how you can create the most value for them. And that's really who your client is. And if you can find one person that trusts you enough that you can prove to them that you're going to be able to create value for them, then that's the trust that we're talking about. These are the the people that you need to know. And maybe you don't know them immediately, but we're going to talk about later on in the next episode, how you find these people that, are willing to trust you and what you need to do to convince them to be able to trust you. Yeah, definitely. One thing to kind of continue off that as well is that 
as you build trust and rapport with these, with your clients, even if they don't have a project for you right now, they potentially know people that they're going to refer you to, right? So when you network with one person, you're not just networking with them, you're building trust and rapport with them and all of their network as well. Because through their referral, you'll get potentially more more projects and more, more, more revenue coming in for you. Yeah, so once you know who your clients are, the next step is to go to them. Uh, whether it's online, whether it's a conference, a meetup group, a coffee club, a special interest group, or a culture hub where you know a lot of people hang out. In Dallas, for example, we have a lot of co-working spaces where startups will gather and it's, in fact, it's a, an office space for rent. So you'll find a, a collection of small companies and these are the people that are trying to get investment or they have investment and they're trying to find people that can help them with their business or they're just other people who also run small business of themselves, which is when you think about what a freelance development is, it is running your own business. So it's just good to know who your clients are and be where they are. And going with that, one of the biggest things I see, like one missteps that, that young freelancers do is, Devin, you and I are both are, are developers, coders by nature, but you can't, you can't just go to coding meetups because that's, actually, that's not where our clients are. Our clients aren't at coding meetups looking for their meetups. They're at business meetups, they're at SEO meetups, they're at whatever their function is, that's where they're at. You need to go out of your way, get out of your comfort zone a little bit, out of the knowledge base that you know to meet these clients where they're at, as opposed to like expecting them to come to the coding or the, the design meetups that you're, that you're typically used to. Yeah, and I just wanna go ahead and take this chance to mention meetup.com, which is a very valuable resource for, it's been a valuable resource for my business and it's been a valuable resource for your business as well, Vance, from conversations that we've had previously, what you told me. And they're really awesome company. I really love their vision to collect everyone in a city and bring them to a meeting space in real life. And they're great for finding those groups of people. They're great for finding interest groups where your clients hang out at. So now that we've talked a bit about clients, there's something else that you'll start to learn about once you go to enough groups where your clients are. And it's interesting because you're, although you are very special and you have your own unique personality, but you'll realize that there are other people in the space that are doing the same things you're doing, whether you're doing personal training, photography, development, you have competitors just like any other business does. And I found in my experience that most of the people that I would consider competitors, other developers, other development shops, people who run development shops of eight or nine people, whereas I'm just myself, are also going to these meetup groups just as much. And I'm on basically a first name basis with most of the development shops in Dallas. And it's definitely interesting building these relationships with these people because although they're your quote-unquote competitors, if your competitor is a 10-person development studio and you're an individual person, there's actually a lot of room for collaboration there because a lot of the times if you have someone who's been in the space for a long time, they're likely getting a lot of clients coming to them, which is good and less good for you. But also at the same time, if they have clients that are too small for them or if they just have too much work on their hands, it's great to have that lifeline that they can reach out to and for you to be that person. Or if you're a photographer and you have other photographers in your area that have been doing photography for 10 years, 15 years, that shouldn't stop you from interacting with them. And you shouldn't think of them as being someone to be in competition with. You should really try to think about ways that you can work with those people and what you can learn from them. It's crazy how much, like I've done this, I've gone and I, I've worked for some of my competitors in downtown Raleigh. And it's crazy how similar 
they are like types of people they are to myself. And in some ways they become like some of my good friends in Raleigh and I really enjoy hanging out with them. I love talking business with them and they've helped me grow and scale my business and kind of watch out for pitfalls that they've already encountered as well. So it's awesome. And it's totally valuable to go and actually talk to your competitors, talk to people who have already done this and people that are doing it maybe even better or bigger than you are and learn from them. And because nine times out of 10, they're not there to like, you know, to chop your head off or to, to be really competitive towards you. They're really there. Like everyone's just trying to help everyone and find their, their piece of the pie, so to speak. Definitely. So working with people is a good thing yeah. and find as many people as you can that are doing what you're doing. And especially if you don't have a client yet, then you're certainly not a threat to anyone. So there's only good things to come from knowing other people in your area that are doing the same thing that you're doing. So definitely, I think the key takeaway in this is put yourself out there and meet as many people as you can that are your clients and also that do the same work that you do. Yeah, so like one of the things is, is as you go and you actually meet with these people, one of the things that you're, you need to figure out what to talk about, right? When you go up, you just, yeah, you can pitch your skills, you pitch your service. But one of the things you also need is to just start talking about your portfolio, what you've worked on, what you've done in the past, what you're going to do, and really show like what you're made of, right? And that might not be anything right now, right? You might just be starting out and that's okay. But really like whenever you start thinking about like what value you have and what, how valuable you're worth, like everyone kind of refers back to their portfolio. And the portfolio is just like a, a bunch of work that shows what they're capable of doing. And it's work that they've already done. So in some ways like this work can be done in high school and college and side projects and hackathons, whatever it might be. It's just a way to show what your capabilities are. So both Devin and I have created our portfolios. They happen to be on a website and different markets have different expectations for like where your portfolio should live. Some people love just putting all their portfolio on their LinkedIn, but as a web developer, we have a website. Designers often use Ribble or other places to do that as well. But yeah, like really start thinking about like how you build a portfolio around your client's needs. And you'll notice all this is kind of tying back together on top of each other. You have to understand who your client is. You have to know what their problems are and then find out where they're at, talk to them, and then build a portfolio that shows that you can solve or help solve some of their problems. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and add on to that and say that if you are worried that you don't have a portfolio, the goal of a portfolio is to have a solid artifact of proof to validate what you do. And the reason that you have that validation is to build trust with a client. And you can have a client without having a portfolio as long as you can build that trust. If you don't have a portfolio, but you know what you're talking about, and you've gone to enough events where you've met the same client or potential client over and over and over again, and you've had repeated conversations with them about who you are, then you're building that trust, not necessarily with a portfolio. So portfolios are amazing to have, to build that trust so much faster. But if you can build that, the core about the core idea is to build trust. And that's really what you want. If you have a portfolio that's not building trust, then you're doing yourself an injustice. If you don't have a portfolio, but you have trust, then you're on the right track. One of the things is like you, you're starting out too. No one has a portfolio starting out, right? Everyone started with no portfolio. So you can on the weekends, on hours, whenever you have, whenever you have time, if you're just sitting, you know, doing some research or stuff, you can start building that portfolio with side projects and stuff. Devin, I know you have, you've done a few side projects here in the past month just to show your skills with React and some of the more, more of your technologies that you know. That's awesome. So it doesn't have to be work done for another client. Although clients often do like to see that and that can help build even more 
more trust. You can totally just get started on things that you find cool that might help you and your business as well, or work that's done kind of on the side just for fun. Definitely. Going with this, this, this portfolio starting the trust. Yep. And I'll go ahead and tie that back into when you're working on your first project. Don't be afraid to show that to people, even if you're kind of ashamed of it. If you show potential clients your work, even though it's not great, it's definitely better than you think it is. You're immediately better than 80% of the population because you made a first attempt and you're already someone that they're starting to see in their eyes as being a potential investment. And in later episodes, we're going to talk a little bit more about building a sales funnel so we can scale that concept beyond an individual person and building that trust with a large group of people so that you can get more clients coming in. But we'll definitely be talking about that later on. And in the next episode that we do, we're going to be talking about specific things that you can do now to grow your network and to be able to find this person that you're going to build trust in. Thanks for listening to the Freelance Afternoon Show. I'm Devin. And I'm Wes. Have a good afternoon. If you want to join our freelance community, go to freelanceafternoon.com and sign up for our Slack channel. There you can chat with community members and ask questions about starting your own freelance business. Thanks for listening to the Freelance Afternoon Show. I'm Devin. And I'm Wes. Have a great afternoon.